I just want to get straight into the message this morning, if that's all right with you. I suppose I'll start by asking you a question. My name's Craig, if you don't know me, by the way, part of the team here. So, But I want to ask you a question. Have you, have you ever messed up? Have you ever let someone else down, let yourself down? Have you ever let God down? And you just feel the weight of that? You just feel the weight of that sitting on your shoulders? Quite often we can feel the weight of a decision or an action that we have made that has left us in a place that we never wanted to be in. And we feel the weight of that decision. We feel the weight of that. Can we just take a little bit of volume out of my mic, please? That'd be cool. We feel the weight of that on us. But here's the thing. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. And today we're going to look at a guy in the Bible that messed up big time to make us feel good about ourselves. Is that all right with you? It's in the the book of Luke, and it's in chapter 22. But before we get to the verses, I want to give you a rundown on basically what has kind of happened up until this point. You see, this is before Jesus has been betrayed. And he's having a conversation with the disciples, and and he's basically said to them, all you guys, you're all going to fall away from me on account of me. Basically, you're going to turn your back on me. You're going to deny me tonight. You're going to betray me tonight. And Peter, God bless Peter, he says, if everybody else does, I won't. (laughs) I love Peter. He's got so much confidence. It's not confidence at all. No, if everybody else falls away from you, God, I won't fall away. And Jesus turns to him and says to him, Peter, 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 mate, before the rooster crows three times tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's response, it's funny how we do this sometimes, isn't it? His response is like, God doesn't know what he's talking about. So he says, no, 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 God, you don't understand. I won't deny you. I would die for you. I would never deny you. Even if I have to die for you, I won't do it. But everybody knows that as the story goes, that sure enough, Peter not only denied Christ once, but twice and three times. And I think there's a lesson that we can learn in the story from here. There are two mistakes that I believe that Peter made. And the reason why I want to focus on just these two, because Peter made plenty. How many people know that's good for us? Yeah? Okay, not for you guys, you're perfect, it's good for me. Um, But I want to focus on these two mistakes that Peter made because these are mistakes that I have made. And if we're really honest with ourselves, you'll probably find that these are mistakes that you have made as well. And so we turn to Luke chapter 22, verse 54 to 55, and it says this, Then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. So this is where the beating of Jesus started. It was in the house, right? And it says, Peter followed at a distance. Everyone say, at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Now we have to understand that this is Jesus has been dragged. He's already been arrested. He's been dragged to the high priest's house. This is where they start actually beating him and punching him and hitting him in the house. So he's going to come out of this house a lot different than how he went into the house. It says here that Peter followed at a distance and some people made a fire and Peter went and sat down with them. So Peter, at this point in time, he thinks that he's doing all right. He thinks that he's not denying Jesus because he's following him and he's there. All the other disciples have dispersed, but he's there. Here's the first mistake that Peter made. 
It's the first mistake that you and I make is that he underestimated his own weakness. He underestimated his own weakness. The reality is every single one of us is capable of doing something wrong at any given moment. We're all capable of doing something wrong at any given moment. We're all capable of sinning. We're all capable of messing up, falling short, letting God down, letting ourselves down, falling away from the promises that we make. All of us have the ability to do that. We're all capable of sin at any moment. And here's the thing, the moment that you think you're not is the moment that you're most vulnerable. The minute that you think you've got it all together and you're doing well is the minute you become most vulnerable because usually that's a pride moment for you. And the Apostle Paul said this when he wrote it uh, in the Bible. He said this, he said, he said, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So what was Paul meaning by that? Paul was basically meaning this. In other words, he was saying, if you think that you would never do that, if you think that you'd never ever do that, I would never do that. Man, you're in danger of doing that. The minute that you think that you're um, never going to do that is the minute that you're unaware of your weaknesses and your failings and the stuff that we do. Every single one of us has the ability to do something wrong at any given moment. And unfortunately for my life, I've learnt that the hard way, that I'm not as strong as I think I am, that I can be incredibly weak and vulnerable in any moment of my life. And what I have to make sure that I do and what we need to make sure that we do is we don't think for a second that we're above sin or that we're better than that because the reality is all of us are vulnerable. All of us are capable of falling short in any way at any time and we have to recognize that. And here's the key for you this morning, for something that hopefully will help you to understand. Acknowledging weakness is the first step towards true strength. Acknowledging our weaknesses is the first step towards true strength. You're like, man, what's this got to do with Easter? Because acknowledging your weakness and the need for God is your first step towards true strength. In fact, I would say this, that you are only as strong as you are honest. You're only as strong as your honesty. Secrets have a way of destroying your life and those around you. You're only as strong as you're honest. And Peter did not recognize his own weakness. Remember, he said, I'll never leave you. Everyone else might fall away, but I won't. I'll die for you. I promise I'm going to be there for you always. I'm never going to leave your side. I'm, I'm here for you, Jesus. It's you and me for life. Yet we know that Peter denied Jesus three times when we put ourselves into a position where we get ourselves in trouble. It's when we underestimate our own weaknesses and we think we're better than what we really are. Now, I, I don't want to upset anyone today, and you're very quiet on me already. But here's the reality. When, when I go to church, when I come here, even before I was pastoring, because you guys are like, oh, yeah, but you have to do this because you're the pastor. Before I was pastoring, because I can tell you this now, if you're not doing this before pastoring, you're not going to do it when you're pastoring. So, so if you have to be given a title to do something that you should be doing, then you shouldn't be given the title. You should be given a title of something, whether it be in your workplace or whatever, because it's, you're already doing it. It's already who you are. It's just an acknowledgement of what you're already doing. But when I go to church, I, I want to get there early. 
I want to be up close. I want to be in the front row. Why? Because it's different up close. It's, there's no distractions up close. So I want to be close to the action. I want to worship God in a more intimate way without the distractions around me. I want to be up front. I want to be close to Jesus. I want to be close enough to hear his voice and sense his presence. I don't want to be a back row, get in late, leave early follower of Jesus. Ouch. I want to be the one who gets there early, who gets the best seat in the house, who is close to him, who pursues him. I want his presence leading me in every single day of my life. And if Peter had been physically close to Jesus, he never would have denied him. How do you know that? Because earlier on in the garden, when he was right by Jesus and they came in to arrest him, what did Peter do? He pulled his sore out sword out, whopped off somebody's ear. He was ready to die in that moment for Jesus because he was close to him. He was right beside him. He was there with him. Jesus was awesome and just picked up the guy's ear and put it back on and said, Peter, put the sword away. This is not the time. But he was close to him in that moment. And in that moment of being close to him, he was like, man, I'm gonna die for you right in this moment. And now we see a little bit later on, he's now following from a distance and all of a sudden he's vulnerable. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? When you're physically close, you won't deny him. When, we're, when he was physically close, Peter was willing to die for Jesus. But when he followed him from a distance, all of a sudden he was vulnerable. And if you're following Jesus from a distance, if you're just doing enough, if you're just rocking up to church, ticking the box, doing a couple of things on here and there and listening to a worship song on Sunday mornings, then friend, you're, you're following from a distance and you're more vulnerable than you realize. I, I, always, I wanna be a front row follower. I wanna be as close as I can to him. And I hope you do too. I want to be close enough to always hear and know his voice. You see, the problem with Peter is he just didn't realize how weak he was. He followed from a distance. And following from a distance cost him heavily. And this is what it cost him. And this is what it costs you and I. In verse 56, it says, A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, meaning Jesus, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. If you look at the original Greek, he's basically saying, I don't know what that you're talking about. Oh, I can't believe he did that in church. It's the Bible. And here's the thing that's so crazy about this is Jesus had told him it was going to happen. He's in the middle of it happening. And what's so crazy is that Peter was the only person who was fooling himself because everybody else knew. Everybody else knew but Peter was fooling himself. And can I say respectfully this morning to me and to you that some of us were only fooling 
ourselves. Your marriage is in way bigger trouble than you make it out to be. Your relationship with your kids is in way bigger trouble than what you think it is. Everybody else is telling you. Your career may be in trouble or your drinking might be out of control and people are saying things to you and you're like, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm all right. Can I suggest to you, you've got a lot of people talking to you about a particular thing in your world that the only person that you're fooling right now is not everybody that's looking on, but you're just fooling yourself. And Peter was the only person that fooled himself. And it goes on in verse 16, it says, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered what the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. Can you, can you imagine this moment? Here's Peter, the saviour that he loved, is there. The one who had always been faithful to Peter stares straight into his eyes, straight after the denials. Can you imagine the pain in that moment? In that moment, Peter remembered what God had said to him. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. And you know what? That there challenged me so much this week because I felt like God said to me, Craig, when was the last time the weight of your sinfulness became so real that you broke down and wept bitterly for letting God down? When was the last time you and I were sorry not for getting caught, but we're actually really sorry because we let God down? When was the last time we wept bitterly about some of the decisions that we've made in our lives? It's pretty heavy today, isn't it? You see, whenever I'm not sensitive to my sin, it's when I'm following Jesus from a distance because when I'm close to him, I repent quickly. I get things right with him quickly. But when I'm not following closely, it takes me time. And the thing is, it's not, it's not that we stuff up. It's just that we don't repent quickly. It's that we don't reconcile quickly. It's that we allow time and days and weeks to go past because we're following from a distance. And Peter, the rock, God called him the rock upon uh, upon his revelation that Christ was going to build the church, Peter the rock crumbled, not once, not twice, but three times. And I, I don't know about you, but I can really, really identify with Peter in this moment because there has been plenty of times in my life where I've said to God, going forward, I'm never going to do this again. I promise you, I promise you're going to do this. This is a famous thing that a lot of people say, if you do this and this and this for me, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. We've all been there. We've all said that. We've all done it. God, I'm never doing this again. I don't know about you, but it could be days, weeks, months later, I do it again. And then I say to him, I'm never going to do this again, and I make a promise, and then I do it again. And then I... It's just me this morning, that's cool. I'm just over here. And you feel the weight of that, don't you? You feel the weight of that, because I promise you, God, last time I've done it again, and, I, and I'm just, I, 
And we just get to this place where we just don't know what to do with what's going on. And the weight of that sits so heavily upon us. And Peter had made this bold promise. And he was not faithful to it. And he was absolutely deserved for God to count him out. He absolutely deserved for God to say, you know what, Pete, you let me down. You're out of it. I don't know about you, but for me, there's been plenty of times, hundreds if not thousands of times in my life where I have let God down and I should have been counted out. But God never knocks us while we're down. God never counts us out when we mess up. God is a God that always gives us a second chance. God is a God who always comes again to us and again to us and again to us. God doesn't write us off. And Peter, the man Man that, that, that denied Christ three times in John chapter 21. You can read it in your own time. God restores him back and he, and, he, and he forgives him and he restores him. And then Peter, the one who denied Christ, the man that crumbled, the guy that messed up, the guy that stuffed it up, the guy that let down God so much is the one who stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached the gospel in such a way that 3,000 men plus women and children came to Christ. How did this guy who had failed God so many times get up there and do that? How could he do that when he had failed him? Why? Because the best person to talk about the forgiveness and the repentance and the grace and the mercy of God to people are people that have experienced the repentance and the mercy and the grace of God. He was the best person for the job. Your mess up is not a mess up. Your mess up, when God gets hold of it, allows you to step up. You see, Judas let God down as well. He betrayed him, but Judas gave up and hung himself on a tree. But Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he got up and he shared the gospel and saw lives transformed. And you can either get down on your mess ups, you can either get down on where you failed, and you can give up or you can get up. You see, lost my notes. Jesus forgives Peter, he restores Peter, and Peter ends up being that guy, that guy, the leader of the church. The problem that we do sometimes in our lives is we put a period where there should be a comma. We put a period on our lives where there should be a comma. We feel like our life is over, period. Yeah? Feel like our life is over, period. But no, 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 no. No, no, your life isn't over, period. Your life is over, comma, because my God is still a good God and he picks up the broken pieces and he gives me hope when I let him down. He never got a period in your life. God doesn't go, that's it, period. God's always got a comma. You may have failed, but I'll forgive you. You may have let me down, but I'll restore you. You may have let... You have made all the stuff ups in the world. You may have destroyed your marriage, but I can restore it. God always puts a comma. He never puts a period around our lives. I'm struggling financially and I'm scared to death, period. No, 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 no. No, you're struggling financially and you're scared to death, comma, because my faith tells me that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Never put a period where God puts a comma. I have failed and I, and I feel desperate and I feel alone. No, 
I have failed and I feel desperate and alone, comma, but I know that my God never leaves me nor forsakes me. He works all things together for good for those who love Him, including what I'm going through right now, to bring about good to those who love Him according to His purpose. Never put a period where God puts a comma. You see, Judas put a period and ended his life. Peter put a comma and started his life. And there's a God that gives us second chance, third chance, fourth chance, 550 billionth chance. He never quits on you. He never stops. He never gives up. He's always believing in you. He's always believing the best for you. He never puts a period at the end of something you've done. He always puts a comma. Oh, but I've sinned. That's okay. I can forgive you. I've done this wrong. I've done that wrong. That's okay. I can restore you. You see, Peter learned two, thing, two other things as well, is that success is not final. You may be able to walk on water like Peter did earlier on for a few minutes, but then the next minute he's sinking. Success is not final. But he also learned that failure is not fatal. You see, when we mess up occasionally, we will mess up occasionally. But when we do fail, it's not fatal. When we do fail, we should never internalize that failure. Just because you failed at something does not mean that you're a failure. You had a failure is a, an event. Failure is a moment. Failure is not a person. Come on, some of you need to hear that this morning. Failure is a moment. You had a moment of failure. You had a moment where you got overly angry with your kids and overly disciplined them. You had a moment where you let your husband or your wife down. You had a moment where you did something wrong or you let somebody down or you let yourself down or you let God down. You had a moment. A moment does not make you. It's a moment. It's an event. It's not a person. It's what happened. It's not who you are. And whenever you are broken, Jesus will help bring healing. And any time a bone is broken, then healed. Where is the bone strongest? It's strongest where the healing took place. When you break a bone and that bone breaks, and then that bone heals in that place, the bone is strongest where it's had healing. And the very thing right now that you think is going to take you out maybe become the greatest point of strength in your life. That biggest stuff up that you made, if you let God heal it, will become the strongest point in your life. Because where you are weak, our God will make you strong because His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And therefore, I'm not going to internalize failure because failure isn't fatal. It's just an opportunity for healing and strength to come. In fact, I embrace failure because failure isn't fatal. Failure teaches me something. I love what the All Blacks say. They say this about rugby. They say, we either win or we learn. They don't talk about losing, they don't talk about failing, they talk about learning, because they understand, and we know this with the All Blacks, we don't mind when they lose occasionally, yes, because they learn more from their failures than they do from their successes. And God's stronger in your weakness than He is in your success, because the problem with success, if I'm honest, and I'm just talking about me here, it's probably not you, but success, when I'm doing really, really well, too much of the success, I think, has something to do with me.
And when I think it's about me, then it all rises and falls on me. But when I can sit back and go, you know what? I'm, I've made mistakes. I'm weak. I've stuffed up. Then all of a sudden, God comes on and says, it's okay. I can bring forgiveness. I can bring healing. And we can strengthen your weakness. You see, God's glory shines best through the cracks in our lives. And what's so crazy to me about this whole entire story is that Jesus knew ahead of time that Peter was going to fail. He knew that he was going to fail. He knew that he was going to deny him. He knew that he was going to let him down. Jesus knew all that. God knows what you're going to do today. God knows what you're going to do tomorrow. God knows what you're doing next week, next month, next year. And in 10 years' time, he knows the decisions that you're going to make. And it doesn't stop him believing in you. It doesn't stop him speaking into your world. It doesn't stop prophetic words coming your way about what God is going to do in your life. Because God doesn't allow weaknesses to get in the way. We allow weaknesses to get in the way when we don't go to him for healing. Because remember, honesty is where our strength comes from. And when we come before the God, who's the God of the second chance, and we pour out our weaknesses before him, he comes and heals and strengthens. There's no mess up that's too big for him. He knew He knew that even though Peter would fail him, God knew that Peter would turn back to him in a little while. And when he had turned back, he would not be the same person he was before when he turned away, but he would turn back to God a better person. He would be stronger. He would would never follow Jesus at a distance again in his life. He would be a close follower. He'd be stronger than he was before. He would never deny Jesus again in his life. And the crazy thing about Peter is that he went about preaching the gospel all over the world. And when they came to crucify him as a martyr, he said, don't crucify me the right way up, but upside down, because I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same way as Jesus. What happened to this guy that went from, from denying Christ, saying, I don't even know who this guy is. I don't want anything to do with him. What went from that to a guy who was scared of being recognised as being Jesus to a guy who says, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way. What happened is a guy that experienced forgiveness, is a guy that understood that his failures are not fatal. It's a guy that understood that God's strength is made perfect in his weakness. It's a guy that understood that God always gives us a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. He's doing something in the middle of your pain and your disappointment. And God knew way before you that you would end up where you are. And he's not upset and he's not angry and he's not frustrated because God never wastes failure. We waste failure, but God never does because God can turn things around. And he's doing something in you. And he did something in Peter that through the failure, he draws them in closer and he draws us closer to Jesus. And that's what's so crazy because Peter went from this guy that denied him to a guy that nothing couldn't stop proclaiming him. Because he's the God of the second chance. And the same guy that deserved to be counted out, was given a second chance because he became stronger because of the grace of God. And we've done this series over four weeks of I Deserved, and the first week was 
I deserve death, but God gave me life. The second week was, I deserve rejection, but he gave me acceptance. The third week was, I deserve condemnation, but he gave me mercy. And this week is, I deserve to be counted out, but God gave me a second chance. And I want you to hear the words of Peter, the guy who was given the second chance. In 1 Peter 4, 16, it says this, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear His name. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. Do not deny, do not hide, do not run, but praise God that you bear His name. The one who was weak and vulnerable became stronger at his point of healing. Peter's guilt was replaced by God's grace and his failure to God turned into faithfulness. And God will do the same thing for you and He'll do the same thing for me. We deserve to be counted out, but we serve a God who always gives us a second chance. And that weight that you feel is not a weight from Him. It's a weight that you're carrying because somewhere along the way, you've forgotten that God's the God of the second chance, that God's the God who heals our weaknesses and makes them strong. Somewhere along the way, we've probably made the two mistakes Peter made. We underestimated our weaknesses and we followed from a distance. And I just believe there's an opportunity this Easter, one for us to be honest about where we're at with Him. I'm gonna get you up here and hand you the microphone and say, hey, tell everyone your weaknesses. Some people might pull out the popcorn and the coat, let's go. But if we're honest with ourselves about where we're at and go, you know what, God? I'm actually not afraid of my weaknesses. Some of you would know because you've been in the church long enough, but it's probably four or five years ago now. Some of my weaknesses came to the surface in a way that was really embarrassing. And I was ashamed of it. And the more I tried to cover it up, if you want to put it that way, the worse I felt. And it wasn't until I could get to the point of going, yeah, I made a mistake. I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to be a follower of Jesus. The minute I gave up and just confessed, I got this weakness, God came along and strengthened it in such a way that that is not a weakness for me anymore, but it's actually one of my strengths. Because now I'm not afraid to talk about my weaknesses, whereas before, I would have just made out to you that my life is amazing and I do everything perfectly. Perfect husband. That's probably true. Perfect father. Perfect pastor. If you think I'm a perfect pastor, you've got a distortion about me. It wasn't until I stopped trying to be something 
and just allowed me to be me and allowed me to realise that I've got weaknesses and I've got faults and I've got failings. Then God came and brought healing to my life. And that part of my life is stronger, stronger than it's ever, ever, ever been. And then I just got closer. I just got closer. Spent more time with Him. Spent more time thinking about Him. Spent more time worshipping. My kids mock me because the only stuff I ever listened to, the only music, I wouldn't have a clue what's on the radio. I wouldn't have a clue what Beyonce's latest is because all I listen to is worship. Because I want to be close. Doesn't mean that other music is bad. I went to the Crowded House concert. But I want to be close. So I want worship to fill my house. I want worship to fill my car. I want worship to fill the office. I want worship to fill my mind. I want worship to fill my soul and my spirit and my body. I want the Word to fill me. I want a relationship where Him and I are talking with each other. And it doesn't have to be weird and creepy. It's just a conversation like you'd have with anybody else because I want to be closer because I know when I'm closer, I'm less vulnerable because I recognize my strength, my weaknesses earlier and I allow them to heal them so that they don't capitulate into something that's damaging, not just to me, but for those around me. And you can only live a life like that when you understand that He's the God of the second chance and He's not here to judge you, but He's here to redeem you. And that's why the resurrection is so important because if He just died for our sins, then we wouldn't have the resurrection and the healing and the power on the inside of us that brings the healing and wholeness to our lives. And if you're here today and you've never, ever given your life to Christ, or maybe you're like, man, I, I've definitely been following at a distance. Here's the thing, God's not here to judge you today. God's just here to say, hey, come home, come home, welcome home. Welcome home. When the prodigal son realized how he was living and ran home, the father didn't stand there and go, oh yeah, finally, come to his senses. No, it says that the father saw the son from a way off and he ran to him and he embraced him. And that's what God wants to do to you this morning. If you don't know him or you know that you've been a long way from him, there's been a distance between you and him. He is not waiting this morning to judge you. He's waiting this morning to embrace you and love on you and pour out His grace and His mercy. Why don't we just all close our eyes just for a moment?